Amen. You can be seated. Well, no snow today. Yes. It's cold. We had a great week. I don't know. There, this, this thing happened this past week that um, doesn't happen real often in Minnesota. The sun came out. It was like 42 degrees at my house. So I have some good news and some bad news. The good news is I got to ride my motorcycle. The bad news is it was from the garage to the pole barn, because I'm pretty sure unless something happens like a miracle, we might be done for the year. We'll see. Anyhow, we're in week three on a series. I'm having a good time with it. It's, it's why be common? Why be common? Uncommon is way better. Um, I almost called it normal, but that has a whole bunch of other connotations, um, but also fits us maybe a little bit better. But the first week of this series, we talked about how as believers, if you're a follower of Jesus... You have an uncommon knowledge. That means you have a knowledge that the rest of the world that doesn't know Jesus doesn't have. We know something that other people don't know, and that's the truth and the power of the gospel, and, and that it's our job to get that message out to them. We also talked last week about having an uncommon strength, how if you are a follower of Jesus, you can have an uncommon strength that others don't have, and that's available because God grows us through our suffering. That's the part we don't want to hear. We just want to hear that, yes, uncommon strength, it's available to me, not that it comes through suffering. So that's, that's the first two weeks. Today we're going to talk about having an uncommon destiny, an uncommon destiny. If you have your worship folder, there's um, an outline in it. It has the, the verses on it for today, and it has some uh, fill-ins for you. Um, we're kind of continuing in our passage today, and, and here's the truth. We have an uncommon destiny because of this truth. When you follow Jesus, you are living toward an uncommon destiny. You're headed somewhere. You're headed somewhere that people who don't know Jesus aren't headed. You see, the question, though, for people who follow Jesus isn't, how do I get to heaven? Because if you follow Jesus, you know that answer. It's because of Jesus. You're on your way to heaven. So the question for us isn't, how do I get to heaven? The question for followers of Jesus is, how does heaven make a difference in how I'm living now? That's the big question. You see, we really do have an uncommon destiny. And it's not just heaven, because our destiny is peace. But we often choose to live under the weight of worry. Our destiny, both in the, in the hereafter and now, is unity. It's unity, but we often choose to live divided from others. Our destiny is love without limits. But how often do we make unloving choices? Our destiny is wisdom. But way too often we make unwise choices. Our destiny is eternal, unbroken fellowship with God. But we often choose to live life on our own without the power and guidance of the Spirit. So if you follow Jesus, you are guaranteed to get home someday. You're guaranteed. Again, there's good news and bad news there. The bad news is you've got to die to do that. But um, I, was walking, I was walking this past week. I, I happened to be in Roseville. It was a long walk. No, I was in Roseville. And I was there for a meeting, and, and, and the person I was meeting was late. 
And so it's like, well, good, I get to get my exercise in. I'm getting my watch going. And I'm, and I'm walking around. Uh, I don't know if you're familiar with the Coles the and the, the Best Buy and stuff there. And I'm just walking back and forth there a bunch. And there's a, a recruiting station there. Um, so I come down to the bottom. This, I think it's an Army recruiting station. Um, there's two guys there. And one is just, uh, he's coughing his lungs out. And I'm thinking, as I can't see him yet. as in corner of corner. says, this guy is dying. And as I come around the corner, there's two of them there, and this guy that's hunched over coughing, and the guy next to him said, he's not dying. <laughs> and I looked at him, and I, I said, he is. I said, we all are. <laughs> and you could see it's like, oh, well, yeah, I guess so. <laughs> that guy may be sooner than the rest of us, but the thing is, if you follow Jesus, you're guaranteed to get home someday, but daily. You are choosing the path that you will walk on the way there. So here's the big question for today. Does your current trajectory, I don't know why, but I had a different word there, but I love the word trajectory. (laughs) Does your current trajectory line up with your eternal destiny? That's the question for today. Paul, in this passage we've been going through in 2 Corinthians, um, shares with us a big promise about our destiny, as well as guidance for how our destiny makes a difference, or should make a difference, in how we live. Here's a continuation. We've jumped from 4 now. We finished chapter 4. We're going into 5 of 2 Corinthians, and he says this, For we know, and that's very important, that word know, because I talk to way too many people. When they talk to me about heaven, they talk to me about the hereafter, they talk to me about what happens when you die. I talk to way too many people that their answer is, if I ask them, well, do you know where you're going when you die? I hope so. That's the answer. Now, I have a hope, but my hope is way different than, I hope so. You know, I hope the weather changes one more time so that I can ride my motorcycle one more time. That's like, I'm hoping that that's going to happen, but I have no idea. When, I say, when somebody asks me, are you going to heaven? If I say, that's my hope, it's not like, I hope so. It's, that's my hope. I know that. I'm going there. But way too many people don't know that. Paul says here, for we know this is something that is inside us. When this earthly tent we live in, Paul, he might have lived in a tent. He was a tent maker. He's not talking about the tents he made. He's talking about the body here. He says, when this earthly tent that we live in is taken down, and I love the analogy because Paul was a tent maker, and that made perfect sense to him. When this tent is taken down, and then he explains, that is when we die and leave this earthly body, he didn't want them to mistake what he was talking about, we will have a house in heaven. An eternal body made for us by God himself and not by human hands. That's exciting. He says in the next verse, we, we grow weary in our present bodies. I don't know how many of you could give a testimony to that. I could today. In, our, in these present bodies, we grow weary and we long to put on our heavenly bodies like new clothing. And that can kind of come and go with what's going on. There's times when I'm not thinking about it enough. There's times when, oh boy, do I long for that. And he says, for we will put on heavenly bodies. We will not be spirits without bodies. Too many people think they die. They're going to float around in heaven and play harps on clouds. And it's like, yeah, that's not heaven to me. No desire to do that. First of all, I'm scared of heights. (laughs) Although I think that'll be gone when I get to heaven, but I still don't think I'll be floating around and playing in clouds. We won't be spirits without bodies. We will put on new, changed, 
heavenly bodies. But he says, while we live in these earthly bodies, we groan and we sigh. And then he has to explain. But it's not that we want to die and get rid of these bodies that clothe us. He said, yeah, we'd like that to happen, but it's not like we're going to go make that happen now. It's not that we want to die. There's way too much to do here. There's a lot to do. And, and this passage brings up some questions, and you may have some of these questions, and, and he's just not dealing with that right now. Because when I die, to be absent from this body is to be present with the Lord, my heavenly body changed, but there's also a resurrection coming. And the body that gets left here when I die and go to be with Jesus is still here. One day, that body will be resurrected and made perfect. So there's a whole bunch of questions about interim stuff. And, oh, wait a minute. What about this? What about this? He's like, don't worry about that. There's two things you need to worry about, temporal and eternal. There's a temporal body. You're living in that right now. It's wearing down. And if yours isn't, good for you. The rest of us, it's wearing down, and it's going to end someday, and there's an eternal one that we're really looking forward to. So it's not, he says, that we want to die. He says, rather, we want to put on our new bodies so that these dying bodies will be just swallowed up by life. In verse 5, God himself has prepared us for this, and as a guarantee, now he didn't say he's prepared that for us. He is preparing that for us. But what Paul's talking about here is he's preparing us right now for that day when we have the eternal body. He's pre- he has prepared us for this, and as a guarantee, right now, he has given us his Holy Spirit. See, if you're a follower of Jesus, you have things that people who don't follow Jesus don't have. You have uncommon things. And one of them is we have the Spirit. He says, verse 6, because of that, so, because we have that, we are always confident. Even though we know that as long as we live in these bodies, we're not at home with the Lord. For we live by believing and not by seeing. Yes, we are fully confident and we would rather be away from these earthly bodies and then we will be at home with the Lord. So whether we are here in this body or away from this body, our goal is to please Him. For we must all stand before Christ to be judged. We will each receive whatever we deserve for the good or evil we have done in this earthly body. Big passage. We're going to hit some of the highlights today. The truth is, when we hear about this, what I think about is, you know, we get, we get tired. We get, we get weary. And depending on what's going on, we groan and we hope for something better. And God has promised full, final, eventual deliverance from all pain and suffering and waiting. That's coming. That's where we're headed. Where we're headed for the hereafter. Wherever you're headed for the hereafter, if you're headed for heaven, that should make a powerful difference for us while we're living in the here and now. It should make a difference. It's not good enough to say, oh, I'm in, heaven's coming, now I'm going to go about my business. If you really did believe that, it would make a difference today. So here's maybe one of the things we need to do is stop seeing our decisions as isolated incidents. I made a decision yesterday, I'm going to make decisions today, and we see those as isolated incidents. We need to start seeing the connection. You are on a trajectory. 
You're on a path from one decision to the next. Those are all connected. You're going to look back and you're going to see, you're going to ask someday, maybe you're going to be in a bad situation, you're going to say, how did I get here? I could tell you how you got there. One decision at a time. So we want you to be on the right trajectory. We want you to be on the right path. So this is the YBH, the yes but how from this passage. This is how Paul says, given all that we looked at, here's how we're on the right trajectory. Number one, we walk in fellowship with the Holy Spirit. We walk in fellowship with the Holy Spirit. Verse 5 said, God himself has prepared us for this, and as a guarantee, he has given us his Holy Spirit. See, people who don't know Jesus don't have that. They don't have that guide. They don't have that power available. They don't have that resource to tap into. And the sad truth is there are way too many Christians that have that resource and don't tap into it. They just go about their business. They make their own decisions based on what seems to be best at the moment, but what seems to make them or those around them happy, and they're making these decisions, not realizing that each one of those decisions is taking them in the wrong direction. The only way to go in the right direction, to be on the right path, to have the right trajectory to where we're really headed is to walk in fellowship with the Holy Spirit. You see, this is an uncommon way. Certainly in the world, Unfortunately, it's actually too uncommon in most churches because most people live their lives just in, in their natural ability. You know, this is what I do. I do my job. I do this with my family. I do this. And they just do that. But as Christians, we get to live with supernatural power because of the presence of God in our life. And if we don't tap into that, there's only one person to blame, and that's us. So we need to figure out, we need to learn daily how to walk in step with the Spirit, how to walk in fellowship with the Spirit, because He's there, ready and waiting to guide you. So that's the first thing, we walk in fellowship with the Holy Spirit. The second thing Paul says in, in terms of how to be on the right trajectory is we walk by faith and not by sight. We walk by faith and not by sight. Verse 7 in the translation we read um, says, we live by believing and not by seeing. That's exactly accurate. I learned this verse in, in an old translation, New American Standard. And it's, we walk by faith and not by sight. Same thing. We walk by believing and not seeing. It just what comes to me naturally is we walk by faith and not by sight. But see, most of the world walks by sight. You know, I'll believe it when I see it. And God says, no, here's what happens. You believe it and then you see it. And we don't want to believe it until we see it, even, even way too often as Christians. And so we walk in what we know. This is the stuff I know. These are my gifts. These are my talents. This is the path that I take. This is what I do. And we are continually just walking by what we see. I, I challenge the staff and, and on a regular basis. And one of the things I told them was, you realize that when it comes to serving God, if you're not doing anything, that you would fail miserably at if God didn't show up. If you weren't doing something that you would consider impossible, you're living in sin. Because the Bible says whatever is not of faith is sin. I want to do things. 
I want to I accomplish things for God that when people see it happen, they realize that was God, certainly not Tim. I want to do things that if God doesn't show up, I fall flat on my face. Where's God in that, huh? That's faith. When God says something, I'm going to do it. I'm going to step out in faith, even if it looks impossible. And all the time, we do those things around here. I do those things, and people say, how, do you, how are you 100% sure that God is saying that? And I look at them, and it's like, okay, you want to know a secret? When we do something here, and we say, this is what God said to do, what that means is we're 51% sure. Very seldom does God come down and like, do this. It doesn't happen. But the closer we are to him, the more we're walking in his spirit, the more we're attempting to walk by faith and not by sight, the clearer we hear that voice of God and know that direction. And we get to the point where we know that there's nothing there, but he's telling me to step out. So I step out because I walk by faith. And not by sight. That's what Paul is saying here. Andy Stanley said something. He is, he is like the master at capsulizing this whole sermon or book he's doing in some way in one, in one little phrase. And we had looked at this a long time ago, but this phrase keeps coming back to me because for this it's perfect. He said, direction, not intention, determines destination. Now think about that. Direction, not intention, determines destination. You're here and you want to end up here, which way do you have to go? <laughs> you have to be in the right direction. You walk this way and you say, but I have the best intentions. You ain't ending up there. We have an uncommon destiny and we're supposed to live today on that same trajectory. It's not enough to just have good intentions. You've all heard the road to hell is paved with good intentions. It's not intention. It's direction. We have to choose to go the right direction. It's a choice every day, multiple times a day. And again, don't forget that every single choice you make is connected. And every single choice you make is determining that trajectory. It's an uncommon way. To live by, by, by faith and not by sight. Because most people live by seeing, you know, assessing the things in their, in their present context. And although that's important and that's wise, we get to evaluate everything in light of eternity. And that, more often than not, changes the picture completely. Because this little thing we see in time is only a small part of the big picture. But we, as followers of Jesus, get to assess things in light of eternity. So we walk in the fellowship of the Holy Spirit. We walk by faith and not by sight. And finally, number three, we live to please God alone. That's what he said. Verses 9 and 10. We live to please God alone. He says, so whether we are here in this body or away from this body, our goal is to please him. That's the goal. For we must all stand before Christ to be judged. When we say we live to please God alone, I guarantee that is an uncommon way to live. Most people don't live that way. Most people live to please and impress other people. 
to keep other people happy. That's how most people live. I understand that because I struggle with that. I heard somebody say one time, you know, you're, you're trying to make everybody happy. You realize not even God can do that. <laughs> you see, those people who don't live to please others way too often live to please themselves. But it's rare to find people who live to please God. I have, I'm not checking my email, don't worry. I'm getting <laughs> my phone out here because... In my notes, I told you this many times, in my notes, um, I love it now that I can actually pin things to the top. And so I have something, the very top thing that I have pinned. We've talked about this here many times. These are my gut talk declarations. These are things that for years and years and years I've said every single day. Most of the time out loud. You know, not when anybody else is around, when I'm alone, or in my car, because I like doing that in my car and making people think I'm talking to myself. That's perfectly <laughs> legitimate. They, I've adapted and tweaked them over the years. Some of them are just because I love it and I want to proclaim this out loud every day. Some of them are because these are the things that I struggle with, and if I don't say it every day, I do this. I shift back. I say things like, Jesus is my number one. I exist to fulfill his purposes in and through my life. I know him better and love him more every day. I say that every single day. Julie is my number two. You have to read that in context of the first one or it sounds funny. Okay. Julie is my number two and I will lay down my life to serve her. Every single day I say that. I love people and believe the best about others. Now those first two, I don't have a, a real big problem with those first two. We're getting into some of the ones that I can have a little bit more problem with now. And I've, I've said the wrong thing for too many years that I'm going to spend the rest of my life saying the right thing because that's how I rewire my brain. That's how I can change the way I think. You don't like the way you think. You always think about something you don't want to think about. Think about something else. Don't ever say, I'm not going to think about that anymore. I'm not going to think about that pink elephant. I'm not going to think about that. That's all you ever think about. You have to start thinking about something new. And so that's what I do. And every day I say, I love people and believe the best about others. And I've watched over the years in my life, it become true. The next one, a little tougher. I am not a people pleaser because I answer to God first and seek to please Him. I live for an audience of one. For many years, absolutely none of that statement was true. I still struggle on a regular basis with being a people pleaser. Sometimes other people, we all struggle with pleasing this person sometimes ourselves. I kind of want to give you an example of that to show you that I'm broken just like you are, but it's a stupid example. I understand that your examples are tougher, but you understand that when pain is involved, it doesn't matter if someone else's pain is different than your pain. Pain hurts, right? So. I changed this up this morning, and I, I started looking through something. I should have got up way earlier. I started looking through my yearbook, which, by the way, is from 1975. And some of you are like, was that before the United States was even? <laughs> Things were changing in that era drastically. And I have, the, I have um, 
four pictures. I want to show you the first three. Don't go to the fourth one yet, but show the first picture. Um, as I'm looking through my yearbook, that's Tony Adamoli, who was a good friend of mine. Um, I've tried to look him up. I've tried to look many of the people that I considered acquaintances up, but it's just really tough for me to find them. But that's, that was like, in 1975, that was a short haircut. Show the next picture. That was more common when you look through my yearbook. That's what more and more looked like. Show the next one. This guy, it's kind of hard to see that picture, but this guy, you know, the, the, the whatchamacallit, the mullet, the, the, the business up front and the party in the back kind of thing. That, that was a big deal back then. Um, that was my senior year of high school. Things were changing that year, as I said, but things were changing that year in many ways. Okay, I want to, the next picture we're not going to leave up for long, but show the next picture. This picture, I look at this picture and it's like, holy cow, I still have that shirt. (laughs) (laughs) The year before that, my hair was way different. You can't really tell from that picture, but when I look at that picture, I can tell. You can take that picture off now. (laughs) I can tell the difference in that picture from what happened the year before because I was 18 in that picture and my hair was already starting to fall out. Went to college the next year after that and I remember at college, I went to a very strict Bible college and and I mean, the hair could not touch the top of your ears, it couldn't touch your collar in the back and and it had to be just, you know, so I went to the school and I looked around and every freaking person had the exact same haircut. And if you know me, it's like, yeah, it's probably not going to work for me. And I, I would show you the picture, but it's embarrassing. I, I, the first year, I decided to be different, and I, I parted my hair in the middle. It was still not touching my ears, not touching my collar, and I'll show you the picture someday, just not today. I can only do so much in one day. And the funny thing is, I will never forget how much, how much, I would say in today's terminology, I was bullied, but how much I was made fun of for that. How many people, and it's so funny because today, I don't know, I don't remember their names, but I remember their faces. They are forever etched in my mind because they walked up to me and they said, what's wrong with your hair? (laughs) I remember that happening. I remember it happening because of how much it hurt. I laughed and smiled on the outside. The funny thing was, the next year, every single one of those people had their hair parted in the middle. (laughs) But mine was parted in the middle, but it was doing something interesting. You know, it was leaving. (laughs) I always knew it turned gray. I just didn't know it turned loose. (laughs) And, And it was happening, like, on a daily basis. Before I was as close to Jesus as I should have been, That was something that in me hurt me more every day than I care to say. And I remember thinking a billion different things because of that. As I looked around and saw what everything else, what everybody else had, you know, and and it's like, why is this hurting so much? Why is this such a big deal? And the reason is because, number one, I struggled with people-pleasing. And I struggle with Tim-pleasing as well. And I think many people struggle with that in different ways. And there was a time in my life where that became something in my life that was like 
overarching in such a way that when good things were happening, when other things should have been happening, that was still always in my head, on my head, or not on my head. It was, it was in the forefront of my thinking. And it took God a lot of years to get through. You see, we all have things that we do to either please others or please ourselves. Good things sometimes. Like, for instance, you might have a new house. If you do, praise God. It's great. It's okay to have a new house. You might have a new car. That's great. It's not a sin to have a new car. When it starts to border on sin is when you're doing that to please somebody else and to have them look at you and think of you a certain way because that pleases you. And so it's like Dave Ramsey says, we, we buy things we don't need with money we don't have to please people we don't like. And then we wonder why we're in debt. There are way too many people that struggle with that. There are people who can have a new car and not sin. Praise God. There are people who cannot have a new car without sinning because of the reason. It has nothing to do with the car or the house or the clothes or whatever. It has to do with what's going on in our head and in our heart. Because there are far too many people who are living their lives to please others or to please themselves, which most people who want to please others do that because it pleases them. Paul said, you want, you want to live going the right trajectory? You want to end up at the right destination? You live to please God alone. Now, does that mean we purposely try not to please other people? No. I never want to offend anybody. But if I'm doing the right thing and you get offended, tough kasabis, man, because I'm not here to please you. I'm here to please God. And when I please him, what I've discovered is it challenges people around me. And, the, and ultimately, we end up being happier, more pleased. People who search for that happiness never find it. People who live to please God always find that. It's amazing how that works. Here's what's going to happen. Like I told those two guys at the, um, the recruiting station, we're all dying. We're all dying. Some of us just know when, some don't, but we're all dying. Everybody dies. Everybody also gets asked two questions. Everybody on the planet gets asked two questions when they stand before God. I put these on your outline because they're so important. The first question is this. These have incredible bearing on our eternity. The first one, what did you do with Jesus, my son, who died for your sins? When you stand before God, that's the question he's going to ask first. What did you do with Jesus, my son, who died for your sins? He's not going to say, did you live a good life? Did you help people? They'll get to that. He'll get to that. The first question is, what did you do with my son who died for your sins? The second question is, how did you invest that new life I gave you? Because if your answer to the first question was, I believed that Jesus died for me on the cross and I received him as my own personal savior. The next question you get is, how did you use that new life I gave you? What did you do with what I gave you? You see, the first question determines our destiny. What you do does not determine your destiny. 
What you did with Jesus determines your destiny. The second question determines our trajectory. What did you do with that new life I gave you? So the bottom line is, if you're a follower of Jesus, you have an uncommon destiny. You you have a destiny in heaven where the pain is gone, the suffering is gone, the hurting is gone, all of the good things. You see, there are many things on on this world that people strive after, and they're good things. And you know why? Because there's good things in this world. Most of them are a little screwed up because the world's broken. But any, any enjoyment that you have here is always overshadowed because everything is marred and broken by sin. Imagine being able to have some of the joy that we have here just unfettered by all that garbage and realize that that's a joy that we can't even fathom now. We have an uncommon destiny heading for that. But we're on a trajectory toward that. Are we living that way? Are we choosing the pathway that lines up with God's destiny for us? So here's your big question for today. Does your current trajectory line up with your eternal destiny? If it's not, your trajectory is wrong. You won't have the peace you're looking for. You won't have the happiness you're looking for. You won't have the joy you're looking for. You won't have the unity you're looking for. You won't have what you're looking for if your trajectory does not line up with your destiny. And I know there's some of you listening to this right now. You say, I'm not sure what my destiny is. I hope I'm good enough. Bad news, folks. You're not good enough. And neither am I. But Jesus was. By believing and receiving Jesus as your own. In your own words, just saying, Jesus, I can't do this, but I believe that you did. I believe that what you did on that cross was not to pay for your own sins, but to pay for mine. I believe and I am receiving you as my own. I believe you did that for me. Your destiny changes at that moment. And so should your trajectory. I'd like to ask you to bow your heads as we pray. I know, Father, that too often we fall on the wrong side of that. Too often um, we're just, uh, we're living to please ourselves. We're walking by sight and not by faith. And my prayer, Father, is that um, as Paul did, that we would be able to say, I live to please him. I walk by faith and not by sight. I walk in the fellowship of the Holy Spirit so that each decision I make every day of my life for the rest of my life moves me on that trajectory towards my destiny. And Father, for those who this morning didn't know what their destiny was or they weren't sure, they just kind of hoped in a casual sense of the word, that this morning would be the morning that they believe what you said about Jesus, that he came, he lived, and died for them. He rose again. He ascended to heaven. He is coming again for us. And that it's only by what he did that we can come into a relationship with you and that by believing and receiving Jesus as Savior, we can become children of God. We can have that destiny changed and begin to change our trajectory. Father, we love you. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Please stand for the closing song.
It just blows my mind how often the last song completely summarizes everything I just said. That's incredible. We walk in the fellowship of the Holy Spirit, moment by moment. You see, we're practicing for eternity right now. We walk by faith and not by sight. We live to please God alone. When that happens, the meaning and purpose that you're looking for in life becomes way clearer. And by the way, this doesn't bother me anymore. (laughs) I saw a thing that said, old bikers don't go gray. They get chromed. (laughs) (laughs) Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for loving us more than we could ever imagine. That your desires for us are greater than than we can comprehend. That you have more for us than we could even dream of. And it comes from following you, walking in your spirit. It comes from, from yielding to you, to living our lives to please you. Father, help us to have a trajectory that matches our eternal destiny. We love you. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you.